0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is Victoria Mary Clark, artist, journalist, and author who channels and paints angels. And today we're going to learn about her. Victoria, thank you so much for being on our podcast and welcome.
0: Oh,
2: thank you very much for inviting me. It's it's an honor and a privilege.
1: Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, Victoria, let's start with your spiritual journey and how you went from you know childhood all the way into channeling angels. Well, actually,
2: I did grow up in Ireland in the countryside where mm. there are lots of uh, fairies and yes. leprechauns, and I I was talking to the fairies just as though as though they were just friends you know in the garden Mm -hmm. quite regularly almost pretty much every day i'd go out and chat to them for ages and i didn't realize that no one else was talking to them or that no one else was like (laughs) seeing them um but they they seemed they must have been very good company because they kept me really uh entertained and we didn't have a television uh, we didn't have any electricity, so we didn't have a television or uh, or even a radio, and we mm-hmm. didn't have any magazines or newspapers, so there was no um, media in our house, because we were living very back to nature. You know, <laughs> my parents were really into, like, growing their own vegetables and living, yeah, so very natural kind of life.
1: Did you say um, you had no electricity as well? No,
2: electric- okay. no electricity, no running water, no bathroom.
1: Wow. Ooh. Yeah. You're like the Amish in our country.
2: Pro- yeah, maybe a little bit different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Amish talk to fairies.
2: Um, they were basically just hippies, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: living as close to nature as possible. But I think when you live close to nature and when you don't have the interference of television or a mobile phone or any of that stuff, you're more um, in tune with yourself, but you're also able to tune in, I think, to other frequencies and other dimensions and and beings, angels, um, spirit, all that stuff. So there's it's probably no um like I I didn't connect this when I was a kid, but you know, these gurus who go and live in the Himalayas, they live in a cave or they live in a mount on a mountain and they don't talk to anybody and they don't see anybody and they just meditate. And that's when they get all their messages. I think there's something in that, in in being very, you know, far away from all the noise. There's a lot of noise, isn't there?
1: What is it about Ireland and Iceland where they see fairies more than any other country?
2: Um, Well, I suppose we have. I mean, you're right. We do have a tradition of it. And, you know, we also have a tradition of drinking very strong alcohol that's hallucinogenic. So I don't know if that's connected. Mm. Uh, my husband also sees spirits and fairies and and he also used to see uh, aliens and mm. all kinds of interesting light beings. But I think he also began drinking alcohol when he was about three years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like some Irish people do drink a lot. Mm. And then some, you know, some just see it like poets. We've got a lot of poets who, have seen and communicated with fairies and beings.
1: Mm-hmm. What about elementals?
2: I uh, yes. I used to talk to the trees and the bushes as well. So every morning, because I had to walk to to school, um, as I was walking to school, I would let the trees brush my hair, and they would, we would chat. Uh, so trees and bushes were big for me. Always I and mean, still are. I mean, I still find. You can't see the view here, but uh, all I, I can see outside is trees. That was the beginning for me, was talking to fairies. And then when I was at school, I began to have past life memories of living in a monastery. So I wrote poetry about being in a monastery and what it was like and, and the sounds and the, the smells and the the routines, which was unusual for a like nine-year-old girl, I think.
0: So,
2: um, yeah, I I guess I was a very spiritual child. Uh, But my parents were also very spiritual, but in their own way. They were um, devotees of Osho. You know who Osho is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of meditation going on, a lot of Mm -hmm. Eastern philosophy, a lot of chanting and all that kind of thing. So I I was quite influenced by that.
1: Would no. you say that your parents encouraged your spirituality mm. or, or what you were up to?
2: I think it's more that they didn't discourage it. So they didn't discount it. You know, and we were very free as children. We, were, we spent a lot of time out of doors, just like playing in the barn or playing in the fields. Or So it was a lot of outdoor time and a lot of freedom. Like there was was no traffic. So there was no no problem with kids running around in fields like. No no strangers, and no traffic, no danger, I guess. right. Yeah. yeah, so it was a very um, tranquil and kind of free lifestyle, which probably helps with all that spirituality stuff.
1: Is it still like that over there? because you know, when I was a kid, both of my parents worked and in the summertime, they had no idea what we were up to. It, <laughs> it seemed less dangerous to yeah. me than it is now as it changed yeah. over there in Ireland.
2: I think it probably has i think people are much more cautious now than they used to be uh so children don't really run as wild as they did you know the, and most actually i mean children here from the age of three are using like phones and and tablets all the time so they're probably way more um yeah way less exposed to nature
1: so in school you started thinking about your past lives and stuff at that age, you understood the concept of, I lived before this life in another life?
2: Yeah, because I guess that was something my parents would have been into, or they would have know, talked about at some point, um, the idea of past lives. I mean, we had the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And, you know, we had a lot of that kind of stuff in the house. Um, and it just came very naturally. It wasn't like, it was, it felt like just a memory, like you might have a memory of Of going to the fun fair or you know it was just it just felt like a memory Mm. um so I didn't think it was unusual
0: Mm.
2: and I wrote poetry about it but then when I was a teenager when I was a bit uh like maybe 14 or 15 I got more interested in things like music and fashion and makeup and boys and discos and so I I lost interest in spirituality for a while Mm
1: -hmm. Did you move from there into angels or into channeling or what happened next?
2: No, no, it took a while. Uh, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was interested in Eastern philosophy. He was interested in tarot, astrology, Zen Buddhism, um, lots of different stuff. So he he kind of taught, he taught me about the tarot and introduced me to mysticism again, like having, having, you know, lost interest for a while. Um, and then I got really interested because he became very successful and famous and rich and I didn't. <laughs> and I became very, uh, I suppose, I, frustrated because I was trying to write, to become a successful writer myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening for me. So I was going to a lot of fortune tellers. So, um, again, tarot readers, but also palm readers and um, psychics, of all kinds of psychics. Uh, because I guess I just wanted to know, am I going to make it? That's That was what was really the most important thing to me at that point. Because I felt like I was surrounded by my husband and a lot of his friends, all of them really at the top of their game you know very very famous and very successful so it, I felt very inadequate not mm. being one of those people um so yeah I was very frustrated and that's what led me to finding out about channeling because I really just wanted to know my future so I went to a lady called Lita Alberti in England at the School of the Living Light and she was a disciple of Sanaia Roman, who some of you may have heard of. Um, she's an American. She's from Oregon, mm. and she wrote, uh, I think, five books on channeling. One actually on channeling, and some and some channeled books. Um, a little bit in the style of um, Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks. Right. Um, so the the guide speaks through her and gives life advice mainly. Uh, And this guide was very helpful to me, the guide that she was channeling. And I felt, I think, more than with tarot readers, because with tarot, you know, they might say, yes, you're going to be successful, but then you're just waiting for it to happen. You're like, when? When's it going to happen? Um, So with this one, the difference was very, very visceral in that she, as she began to channel, this energy started flowing through her into me and I could feel it and it was the most powerful thing I'd ever felt in my life I mean it was like the most love I'd ever felt from this invisible being (laughs) and it it kind of blew me like just knocked me and I was like whoa okay this is something I want more of and I want it in my life and if this is what spirituality is this is You know, I now began to understand what they were talking about, all these people talking about how God is love, because I just felt pure love. And she was offering training in channeling. So I went and did the training. And again, I began to feel that I had now got a solid connection with pure love, which I could go to anytime I needed it. Um. And I mean, at first I began to try to apply it in a way that would make me successful because I was still keen to get successful. But um, it really completely changed everything in my life, like without exception, like my relationships, my my creativity, my career, uh, how I relate to people. Um, And eventually I began to become quite successful. So it, it did work. But it was a long way around. And I think it was, it, was, it was using my desire to connect me with my heart. And I suppose you talk about, you know, your heart's desire is what you follow. So you follow your heart. And your heart might not really know what you want. But it's got this feeling like, you know, you might fall in love with a person. And you think, okay, it's that guy or that girl. That's the thing that's going to make me happy. And, of course, it isn't really because it's you that makes you happy but along the along the journey of, of pursuing that person you can sometimes find yourself and I think that's what they were doing for me is they're helping me to find my own connection which now is it, it's established enough that I, I can't imagine it going away now because it's it's right there all the time it's almost like a pulse that's happening all the time.
1: Do you think that Letting go of the desire for success and and making that connection is ultimately what ended up with you getting the success that you wanted.
2: Yeah, and I didn't ever let go of the desire. I don't think you can, but I explored it and I went. To, you know, I, I explored myself energetically. So I began to do a lot of meditation and a lot of channeling, and I asked the guides to help me. With everything I wanted so I'd I'd give them a shopping list I mean, like can you get me a new car can you get me a new place to live can you get me a you know like literally anything I mean I I was thinking of some of the funny examples of stuff that they did for me and some of it was really very like mundane you know I had a new Prada handbag that I bought at the Prada shop in Milan Mm -hmm. and I lost it and it had it had cash in it as well as being a new Prada handbag um, so I was very upset and I asked the angels if they could help me to get it back. So they said, yeah, we can, we can help you to get it back. So they, they gave me a guided meditation to magnetize it back into my field. And, uh, I did it for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then somebody rang and said, Hey, I've, I've just found this bag and it had your phone number in it. And I knew you would probably want it back. So, um, I got it back. So, so like really small things and then really big things. They never disappointed,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: which I think is is important.
1: When you first started channeling, were you connecting with your higher self, spirit guides, or angels?
2: Uh, So the first guide I had was a spirit guide called Ashti, who was an Indian guide. Um, And he was very... He was very... um, I think gentle and um quite quite numerous you know he'd have a he'd have a sense of humor he would sort of coax me along you know like he would try to, to show me rather than tell me always and I think that's that's something I've found that they all have in common all the ones I've channeled is that they they don't like to tell you what to do because they don't like to take away your learning you know it's like putting stabilizers on somebody's bicycle they they like to help you to see for yourself so that you're you so that you get the realization and the, when you get a realization it tends to stick so they'll they'll ask you more questions than they answer if that makes sense they ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions so that you reflect
1: Right. Makes sense. Can you recall the very first time you channeled and what was going through your mind?
2: The first time I channeled was actually in a group, in a channeling class. And we got given a guided meditation to do. She talked us through it and and then she gave us the instruction that we should ask a question and that we could choose whether we wanted to write down the answer channel the answer on paper or channel it verbally and most people went for the channeling on paper because they were intimidated by the other classmates and they were like a bit nervous about getting it wrong and and other people hearing you know a bit self-conscious um and and I definitely chose to do that at first so at first it was it was on paper so I'd ask a question and then it would be like automatic writing the answer would start to come and At first it would be just one word and then another word and another word until I got a sentence and then a page. So I didn't ever know what the end of the sentence was going to be. I just got the words as though somebody was dictating them to me. So it felt like I wasn't sure if I was making it up. I wasn't sure if it was real. There was a lot of doubt and the doubt kept happening for at least a year. So there was a year of constantly doubting. And the only time I didn't doubt was when I channeled for someone else and they said, yeah, this, this means like, this has helped. This is meaningful. This is useful. So then I got some validation from that. So when I did it for myself, I was like, "Mm, this might not be, this might be total rubbish when I did it for someone else. So I practiced on all my friends and they really liked it. Um, And, you know, my husband liked it and his friends liked it. And a lot of them felt that it was very, very helpful. So that gave me some confidence, a bit of a boost. So I think it's that practice makes perfect thing. You Mm -hmm. just keep doing it and eventually you get there.
1: That makes sense. Are you a trance channel? Like you go into a trance and you're kind of not aware of what's happening or do you kind of feel like you're grabbing symbols and messages and communicating them or how does it work for you
2: So there's no I don't go into a trance but I do change my state so I think what happens is my frequency raises so I'm in a just di- slightly different state and as I go into the slightly different state my voice changes
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh and my posture changes uh but not lot in a way that's weird it's just it slows down a lot and you know i I become maybe more articulate i do find that they they have a better vocabulary than i have Mm -hmm. and they've got a really good way with words Mm and some of them in particular you know when i when i'm channeling for people quite often it's it's their guides who come forward and they start giving me the messages so depending on the person depending on how their style, their communication style, the language changes. So I, I channeled for Nick Cave, who some of you might know, the mm-hmm. singer, because he's a friend of my husband's, and he's quite biblical. <laughs> so that the wording was very biblical. Mm. Uh, but when I channeled for my husband, who's more zen, it, it was more um, like haikus and more kind of um, yeah, a very, very different style. So it matches your style.
1: I'm assuming you quite often use words that you would never use in your normal vocabulary.
2: Yeah, that's true. For example, when they begin to speak to someone, they pretty much always begin by saying greetings, Mm. which I would never say. (laughs) They can be quite, quite old fashioned.
1: At what point did you switch from going from guides into angels?
2: We we ran the gamut really, so we did a lot of experimenting, and um, we would uh, ask for always the highest possible guide or the highest possible light being. Uh, but I was interested in the idea of angels, so I asked for angels, and I began to get them. But mm-hmm. I also asked for um, dead celebrities, <laughs> so I got oh. like John Lennon, mm-hmm. um, Jimi Hendrix, Princess Diana. Uh, A few dead celebrities. That was actually a bit of fun doing Mm.
1: that. (laughs) What were those like?
2: Well, John Lennon was very, very physical. So I felt him come in and I felt him like I could almost smell him. Like I felt his presence as though a man, like that particular man was actually sitting right beside me. Uh, And he had a very strong mind. Uh, He was quite... uh, Slightly bossy. Uh, he he was telling me that uh, Yoko Ono had been very unfairly treated and that she hadn't been respected as much as she should be. And he was like really annoyed about this. And he said, "You don't realize what an artist she is." You know, you gotta. But he didn't actually have the accent because I was I was doing the speaking. Mm-hmm. So He didn't have the Liverpool accent, right. but he had a very strong male energy, and uh, he. Yeah, he talked mainly about Yoko and how much you know he loves her and how he talks to her every day and that seemed to be the main thing and he he played a bit of a joke on me so he he sent me to visit a house in Notting Hill in London uh he gave me the address and I went there uh but there was nobody there so I I felt like he was kind of playing a joke <laughs> it was
1: What were you supposed to find at the house?
2: I don't know. He just said, go to this house and nothing else. So I did. (laughs) But there was no one there. Jimi Hendrix was more useful. Oh, yeah. So he taught me a little bit about music. He taught me about how, you know, music isn't just a sound. It can also be a color. Uh, So he said, you know, when I I, uh, hear music, I see it as well. So he said, I see the colors and I hear the notes at the same time. So all those colors that he used you know, in his clothes and stuff were very much like music for him. And he talked about the the scale that we use. He said that's very limiting and that he he uses much more like an Indian scale and it's got way more notes. Mm-hmm. So he he's quite technical and he wanted me to try and find a guitar or, a, or find a, a person with a guitar so that he could uh, channel some guitar but I'm not very good on the guitar myself, mm. and I I asked a friend of mine, and he was like, "Not." He was like, mm, "That sounds creepy. I'm not doing that." So I never got there yet. But I, I mean, I will eventually. I'm hoping get there, like channeling Jimmy's guitar.
1: That would be amazing if you could channel him. If you could play and then have him, you know, channel, and it's like he's playing through you.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of musicians that I know, they do that. You know, they they will tune into somebody and that and play kind of play their stuff mm. but princess diana she mm. talked about women's uh, self-esteem issues and self-harm and um uh eating disorders and how like in her lifetime she she her plan or her, her mission was to raise awareness of, of all that stuff uh, particularly self-esteem and eating disorders so, But she was lovely. I liked her.
1: Since you and your husband, especially your husband as, you know, a famous musician and connected with all these people, yeah. do a lot of his friends come over and want readings and say, Hey, Victoria, give me a reading. And-
2: no, I mean, I've done a few of those people. Yeah. Um, um, not that many, actually. I've done uh, some of his friends who are famous. I've done their, their readings. Um, but I do like, it's, it's a weird thing. I, I don't really like doing one-to-one readings very much. I prefer to do groups. So I like doing group work. Um, I like channeling for groups. And I like, um, I like doing stuff that is maybe less about people's um, future and more about how the, basically doing what the guide did for me, which was helping me to change my perspective and to understand how to make stuff happen for myself instead of somebody saying this will happen or this won't happen. So I suppose helping people to have the sense that they're creating their reality, which is what I ultimately began to realize is that we're constantly uh, manifesting. We're constantly creating and magnetizing Hmm. the stuff.
1: It's interesting that you don't like one on one is it, yeah. is it because possibly you've gave somebody some bad news and and you no. don't like giving bad uh, news?
0: No, because
2: I, I they don't really give news. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. If you ask them what's going to happen next Friday, they won't tell you. <laughs> They'll probably just ask you, what would you like to have happen next Friday? Huh. Well, but it's something about the dynamic of the one-to-one. It, isn't, it doesn't... suppose it doesn't motivate me i don't feel inspired by it as much as i i feel inspired by and motivated by doing group work
1: when you're doing group work are you still giving individual people what comes through or you're just giving basic information well not really basic but you know information for the group like archangel metatron says that this is going to be happening on the planet or, or whatever
2: they don't really go into that stuff that's, that's something that I've never really gotten into is what's going to be happening on the planet I mean they'll sometimes say things about they'll have themes about the energy at the moment is helpful for uh emotional issues or it's helpful for um health or whatever it is but it's it's quite practical it seems to be very grounded in living as a human being and how we can upgrade I guess our systems and our thought, our thought structures and our, our ways of uh, going about our lives so that we're living more in a higher, higher vibration. So I guess more of a vibration of love and cooperation and compassion. So that seems to be their, their passion and I guess it's also mine as well.
1: Can you recall some of the things that angels have ever told you that just blew you away? Like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I never even thought of that. Or super profound, shocking, et cetera, et cetera. Mm,
2: It's never shocking. No, it's always, it's like at one point they did say to me that you will always know the truth because it will feel like it makes sense, it'll feel like it's obvious. You know, you'll almost feel like you're remembering it rather than being told. And so everything they've told me feels quite um quite obvious. <laughs> it's like it, it feels like, oh yeah, yeah. How how did I forget that? You know, like when, when I first um began asking for the shopping list, they they asked me, you know, what uh you know, what, how can we help? What is it you'd like help with? And I said, well, everything, because I hate my life. It's a mess. It's, you know, I'm really pissed off, I'm really angry, I'm very disillusioned. Um, at that point, I had been doing a lot of affirmations and I'd been reading a lot of self-help books. So I'd read Louise Hay, I'd read Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. um, Wayne Dyer. Um, I basically worked my way through all of them and I did all their affirmations and all, a lot of their workshops, you know, I went to a lot of these, uh, we, you know, expensive retreats and workshops wow. and things, where I tried to make my amazing life happen uh, and it didn't. So I was, you know, very, I guess, disappointed and disillusioned. So they they helped me to reframe, I suppose, and to to consider that if I was very much focused on the stuff that didn't happen, and the stuff that I was still like missing, then I would always have that feeling and that I would, everything in my life would reflect that. It would mirror that. So I would always feel that there was something missing and I would always feel I hadn't got there yet. And I'd always feel let down, disappointed. Uh, It's never enough, you know, there's not enough. So I think I began to understand what happens to people who do become successful and famous and rich and to then feel, is this it? You know, this. I don't feel good. Like, what's going on? I'm famous, I'm rich, I'm not feeling good. What's going on? And then end up taking a lot of drugs. Right. So I didn't want to go down that route. And, and they helped me to reframe so that I paid more attention to my frequency and my own vibration and what I was broadcasting so that I could then access and magnetize more of that good stuff like the happy stuff uh, and more appreciation more um, more love I suppose more fun more joy more spontaneity and more living in the present moment as opposed to living in some future that hasn't happened yet when I get on Oprah I'll get it you know I'll be happy when I get on Oprah But then I could have ended up being on it and still wondering for the next thing, like when's my Oscar gonna happen and when's my Vogue cover? And you know, there's so many things to want. So I was always in that state of like, it's not enough. I want more.
1: Right. Now you have a book called Angels in or Angel in Disguise, and it talks that you went through severe depression. When yes. you were talking about going through all this with Tony Robbins and Louise Hayes and all this stuff, was this yes. at the time that you were in this severe depression?
2: No, it was basically when i tried all of their stuff and I had personally felt that it didn't work. So I felt like I'd been let down, particularly by spirituality, because I thought, mm-hmm. well, you know, if Deepak Chopra says I just have to follow the seven spiritual laws of success and it will come, yeah, and I've been doing it and it hasn't come, then like, what's life? like what's the point what's the purpose so I felt very very like there was a I was in a big crisis moment and I became I thought I'm just gonna go to bed yeah I'm not gonna do anything I just want. I was in a bit of a sulk I think uh and and one thing that had never really occurred to me was the thing of well if you start giving then you'll be in that energy of love and sharing and some stuff will come to you, you know, and you if you let it in, if you're not too angry or if you're not too resentful to let some love in or some nice things come in, then you'll you'll start to have more of that feeling of appreciation and gratitude where you know you feel good about your life because you're giving and you're feeling the joy of somebody else getting something of putting a smile on someone else's face. Um, yeah, that was the bit that was really missing in me like because I was waiting to get happy myself. I thought, well, I just got to get all the stuff for myself and then I'll be happy and then I'll start giving and sharing and I think that's probably the way the world operates, isn't it? you know people want to get rich for themselves and then when they're super rich like Bill Gates or Elon Musk, then they might think, well maybe I'll start a foundation now and I'll give it all away <laughs> but but they're all <laughs> away, well they're all waiting till they get super rich to give it away. Yeah. So I had to learn to give it away and to to share and to to actually connect with people and to feel people as opposed to this idea of success. You know, I mean it sounds very basic and it sounds right. like childish and teenage, but I guess I was childish and teenage, you know.
1: You know, it's interesting to think about that. There are a lot of people who do get super rich and or successful and famous, and they're completely not spiritual.
2: That is absolutely true. And how, and does, that, that. And
1: how does that happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it can happen. Like, anybody can get rich and successful, but being happy is a whole other thing. You know, um, apparently Elvis was a very spiritual guy. He was... You know, reading yoga nanda he was uh, meditating he'd read like lots of really interesting um, books on the occult he was interested in psychic energy um so he was a bright and intelligent guy but i think he also slightly missed the point because he was also very um egocentric you know his world revolved around him and his needs and if he wanted the drugs someone had to get in the drugs or else they would find out, you know, that they'd probably lose their job. So we can get very, yeah, we can get very focused on our own desires and what we want and and maybe the gratification thing. And, uh, but I don't think, I don't think you'd have to be spiritual to be successful. I mean, you know, there's been like, obviously thousands and thousands, as far back as you can go with human beings. Being greedy is often a recipe for success. Mm. And if you're willing to beat up everyone else and take their stuff, then yes, you'll be successful. But will you be happy? I don't
0: know.
1: There's a famous author that was super successful and made a ton of money. And he went to jail, I believe, for fraud. Mm -hmm. And he said in jail, there are so many millionaires that you wouldn't realize it.
2: Yeah. And I think there's perhaps another frequency where you 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 become you don't just believe in the oneness of of humanity and of of all life forms you actually know it so you know you're one with i'm one with you like we're not separate you know and you know that you're one with your audience and you know you're one with your clients or your customers so you don't ever want to hurt them because they're you they're like your family you know what i mean they're like parts of your body so when you give from a place of pure love where you actually have this desire to make someone happy, I think you can't fail to be successful if you're willing to let it back in. And I think maybe a lot of uh, the spiritual people I've met, their problem isn't giving like they're very giving. They give and give and give, but they burn themselves out because they don't receive and they don't, um, they don't really feel that they deserve to receive you know they don't they, they don't really feel that they're worthy or that they're good enough and so they sort of have this um a disconnect with themselves so i think it's just as important to learn to love and have compassion for and acceptance for and and respect for yourself if you want to be successful mm-hmm. which is another thing i guess you could look at the big you know like disaster celebrities like marilyn monroe you know who always said that she never felt beautiful like she always felt like she was still norma Jean, and you know everybody else saw marilyn and she felt she was still that girl who was like not wanted so being not wanted or being abandoned all that inner child stuff i think has to be worked through so you can feel the love for yourself mm-hmm. so it's a long it's a process isn't
1: it yes Do you think that we all have angels around us? And if so, what are the signs that we can look for to see that they are with us?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've come to believe that we do. And I know that they like to communicate in ways that are reassuring. Uh, So quite often people will see white feathers uh, and some people will see little like birds. Um, But it's whatever, whatever appeals to you. I think they'll use whatever. They know what your uh, mentality is and they, they know how you think and they know how, what you like and what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel happy. So so for some people, they actually have to use other human beings. So it'll be another human being who will be your angel and who will turn up and like say the right thing. And it might be someone you only meet for a couple of minutes. You, know, you might be at the checkout or you might be... Um, you know just on the street and somebody just is smiles at you or says something nice just to kind of lift you and lighten your path and make just make you feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's all kinds and all all possibilities.
1: How did you go from channeling angels into painting them?
2: It was something that I I had a desire to do to paint but I felt that again uh, coming back to the success thing I thought well I'm not going to be any good at this so I had pretty low self-esteem I just felt well I won't be any good and then they won't be successful and nobody will like them so I better not do it mm. in case nobody likes them yeah. uh, and then um, my husband um, had a bit of an accident he wasn't well and Johnny Depp gave him some paints and he didn't use them so I them up and I started messing with them and I thought well I'll just uh I'll just do one you know it won't do any harm and I won't show it to anyone mm-hmm. so I did one and I didn't know what I was going to paint but it just began to take shape as an angel um and that was the the first one I did was I think was Michael but then they began to take on more female forms and now it pretty much every single one I do is a female so they're female angels and they're not the traditional uh, angels that you'd find in Judaism or Christianity. So they're not. There was one Michael, but that was it. It Stopped there. And there was no, uh, no more male angels and no more Christian ones. So they all are female and they all have uh, their new names, which no one had um, come across before. And when I Googled them, their names didn't exist, which mm. I thought was really cool because they've made up their own new names. And each one, when she appears, she gives me a message. So they, they, first of all, they give me the painting, and then afterwards, they give me the message.
1: Do you write that in the painting?
2: No, I don't write it in the painting, although that's a good idea. I could write it on the back, I guess. But they usually just let me write it down. So when I'm sharing them, I share them on Instagram, and I share the message with the with the painting on Instagram. And on the
1: website. Are you channeling while you're painting them? Like, do you feel like you're channeling them and they're actually helping you paint them, like giving yes. you the vision of what they look like?
2: Yeah, they absolutely are. Because I had no um, no practice and no technique and no no experience. So I didn't know what I was doing. So I just let them guide my hand. So I would just take, you know, they'd say, get a pencil, get a pencil, get a pen, get a color, get red, get blue just i'd just do whatever they they guided me to do do you think it, feel- it easier because oh, you don't yeah. have to work it out
1: yeah <laughs> do you feel like you are transferring their energy into the painting itself
2: yeah so i've had a number of clairvoyants uh come around and take a look and they they said that they felt that the energy coming from them is um is noticeable you know you can really feel that's they're feeling and seeing, and one of them told me that she recognized one of the beings in the painting. So do I know that? I know her. I know who she is.
0: Hmm.
2: I've seen her. I've like seen her, and uh, she's talked to me as well. So they obviously have other people that they talk to or communicate with.
1: Just from looking, I'm assuming that the paintings are rather large, like behind you, and then what you Uh, have on the, and then what. what And, yeah. then, and then on the wall behind you, are those just prints made from the paintings?
0: Um, those are prints, but they're about
2: the same size as my originals usually start out. So oh. most of them start out quite that
0: sort of size, like mm-hmm. A3.
2: And very occasionally they go a little bit bigger onto a canvas, directly onto a canvas. But that's probably just for convenience for me, because I can sit with a piece of paper on my lap and do it.
1: Can you tell us some of the messages that have come through from your paintings?
2: Um, I could if I was on my Instagram. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, so um,
1: like, what, what about um, the one behind you?
2: Hang on, hang on, hold on. So, can you see this one? Mm-hmm. So she's called Violetrea, and she is her job is to help people to transmute their feelings so they're like if you've got stuff that you do in your life that isn't serving you Mm -hmm. um patterns of behavior or arguments that you always have with somebody or whatever it is um she helps you to transmute it so she's here i guess to upgrade people's energy um and that one behind me is is the angel of justice and so she's about helping people to come to a place of equanimity with each other. So to find fairness and to find justice. Um, that one is about supercharging the energy that you bring through. So she's about giving you a bit more oomph, <laughs> a bit more power. Um, Metatron, that one is like, I think that one is more about uh, very quickly shifting you. So a lot of people don't really want to change. They they don't want to grow. They don't want to evolve. They want to stay the same. And they know that there might be something they could be doing with their life. They might love to do, but they're perhaps scared to do it. And they're hesitant and they just want to get in, stay in the comfort zone. So Metatron is the one to push you beyond your comfort zone. <laughs> and it, it, the evolution is very fast with Metatron. Has any of oh, they them? Yeah, they all have. Yeah, they all have... Uh, there's another one that you can't really see. So. Um, Gayla Treya. Oh, hang on, you can. I'll just show you. Um, So this is Gayla Treya. And she's the angel of inner guidance. So she really helped me to, first of all, to paint, to channel the angels. But she also helped me to connect with my own path. So, like, if I'm stuck, like, where am I going to go next? What do I do next? I just ask her and she'll tell me, like, she'll help me to get clarity on, on the path. So really good for clarity.
1: Will you channel her for the clarity or you just kind of yeah. ask and it comes to you? So
2: I kind of ask. I ask her, you know, okay, like, what do I need to do now? Well, how can I, you know, how can I get to where I want to go? Or how can I, what do I, yeah, what's the right thing to do? What's the best thing to do? What's the what's the piece I'm missing because I think sometimes if we're stuck in a way of thinking we can um we can just have a blind spot you know you might think hey well I'm doing everything I can and it's not happening so what's going on and it's all their fault but actually there might be something that you're doing that isn't helping or something that you're thinking that isn't helping or some kind of you know, a belief that you're holding or a pattern mm. that's just not, that that, that that you don't see it. You're like, mm, no, it's not me, it's them. So when it, you know, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, blind spots.
1: How often do you channel angels?
2: Uh, most, like several times a day. Mm. So I'll start in the morning. I'll do it first thing in the morning. Um, and then during the day, I ask for guidance on whatever's happening. So to, to help me to get on the most, I suppose, the highest vibration, the highest frequency. So if there's something that's not, it's feeling clunky or sticky or not pleasant, um, I'll ask them to to put me on track. So they're always putting me back on track and, and helping me to, I suppose, you know, not just... Um, not just knowing what to do, but also getting out of my own way, getting out of like, like a lot of, um, giving me confidence, giving me that extra bit of courage that I need to take risks. Cause I've had to take a lot of risks, you know, even just putting these things on Instagram and putting my messages, I was risking people, I suppose, like giving me like negative response and yeah. ridicule and all that stuff. So yeah, you, when you put yourself out there, you go beyond your comfort zone, you're open to people's judgment and criticism and all that stuff. And I think you need a bit of you need warriors helping you.
1: Right. I think that's the price. If you're going to do that, that's the price you. Yeah. To, to play the game.
2: Yeah, it's true. But you know, some of us are sensitive and we don't <laughs> want
1: <laughs> We might find things that we don't like about ourselves.
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, you, that's, that's definitely true. So we find these things that we don't like, and then we have to um, find love and compassion for ourselves and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And we've got to find our own way and be gentle and, and also not, not get in anyone else's way as well, not try to tell anyone else that they're wrong and we're right. You know, I mean, I especially found that during the pandemic because my response to it was to sit in this room and tune in and ask for guidance and ask if I could be helpful but also stay high vibrational and loving and and accepting because there was massive changes happening in the world and you know I felt like I, I wanted to give love to people send healing to people and I also wanted to have a good time and stay happy and stay healthy and you know all my family and everybody so I spent a lot of time just meditating but then other people perhaps would have felt that that was a waste of time and you know why are you doing that when you could be doing something more useful or I don't know so you, you have to stay in your own
0: lane <laughs>
1: Now, I know that you've taken these paintings and printed them on fabric and make like mm. scarves and other things. And when you said the yeah. pandemic, maybe you're already doing it, but that would be really cool to put an angel's face on a mask.
2: I did. Yeah. I have an angel mask. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Okay. So Yeah, I felt.
1: It looks cool.
2: I thought it was a good idea to do mm-hmm. an angel's face on a mask partly because you know when you're looking at somebody wearing a mask it can be a bit frightening yeah because it can make you feel like you're in hospital or something uh, or at the dentist so if you see somebody wearing a mask and it has an angel on it it's less frightening Uh
1: uh-huh yeah yeah Yeah, so I did angel
2: masks um lots of angel scarves nice and this pendant is one of the that's yeah. that same angel on a pendant.
1: That's cool. What is the metal yeah, that it's metal. made out of?
2: It's silver.
1: Silver? It's silver. Yeah. Oh, wow. It must be yeah. pure silver? Yeah. Oh, that's nice.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's been great fun experimenting with scarves and jewelry and mm-hmm. all the stuff. So, I even made yeah. yoga mats. I have a yoga mat, but
1: uh-huh.
2: you won't be able to see that, will you? Because it'll be too big. We can try. You can try. Okay. So. <laughs> These
0: are my yoga mats. Yeah.
2: So I got some steaks yeah, where cool. i actually Yeah. They're nice and thick, so I did a lot of yoga as well. And and I have these these dolls, which are the angels made into dolls. Knitted.
0: <laughs>
1: so I got cool. a
2: hand knitted doll for every angel.
1: Oh that's cool. So
2: yeah, that's been
1: very fun. You're doing the paintings. And you're yeah. creating all these things. What else do you got going on?
2: Um. So I'm working on a couple of things. Uh, working on a film about all of this stuff, um, and also working on moving into teaching it in groups. So teaching people how to connect for themselves and how to get the guidance. And um, yeah, I think it's nice to share that stuff because I feel like everyone can do it.
1: Yeah. What do you think is the trick to it?
2: I think the trick is to, it's the vibration. So once you can access the frequency of love and the frequency of compassion, um, you open yourself to all of their energy and their messages. So I think if you can be still and feel love, then you're very open to the messages. Hmm. Uh, and that that's the trick being able to be still so being able to still your mind so meditation being able to meditate for maybe 20 minutes at least or half an hour so you're very still and you you focus on love so you're receptive and you're 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 vibrating at their
0: frequency
1: I have heard before and I kind of think also that the angels have got to lower their frequency a little bit at least to kind of reach us
0: Well yes that is
2: definitely true. It's a step down. It's like electricity, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a step down process. But its I don't think it's that they have to lower their frequency. It's more that they, they permeate your layers of resistance. Um, and they do it, I suppose, when you're in a very... People get receptive when they're relaxed. So if you're doing something you really enjoy that's very relaxing... And that could be, like, for some people it's gardening, you know, or for some people it's walking the dog or it's uh, baking something. Or, you know, people get into this lovely state where they're feeling really chilled and they're really happy and they, they're really appreciating life and they're just, like, feeling in the zone. And that's when all this stuff can come in because you're, you're receptive. You're not, you know, in that mental, like, Analysis, calculation, manipulation state.
1: But I know exactly what you're meaning. It's like, yeah, you're in this, you're almost meditating. You know, you could be. But there be- is,
2: I mean, scientifically, you know, Joe Dispenza talks mm-hmm. about go from your beta state into your alpha state into your theta healing state.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: once you're in your theta healing state, he reckons you can access your higher consciousness and your potential and your, your like more of your power. So, like, he reckons healing takes place in the theta state and also manifestation so you know if you've got something you're really set on uh, and you want to make it happen yeah, get into that state and then like uh, create from there so it's the, it's the creative state and it's the state where ideas come mm-hmm. and imagine you know it's your imagination and your are in it's good in the, in the best possible sense of the word because i guess imagination can take you into lots of dark places too yeah so you get creative in a good way.
1: Do you have lucid dreams or do you have any special type of dreaming that you do?
2: Not really. No, I used to lucid dream as a child. So I used to program all of my dreams like like programming like writing a film and then stepping into it. So I would decide, you know, tonight I'm going to be a fairy princess or tonight I'm going to be this or whatever doing that. So I did that every night as a child, but I lost that ability mm-hmm. when I was about 12. Uh, so since then, my dreams have been pretty regular.
1: Hmm.
2: Like sometimes I have interesting dreams, but they're not that interesting.
1: Do you have a favorite angel?
2: It's very hard to choose. Like, um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't say I have a favorite. No, that'd be bad.
1: That'd be <laughs> you really have bad. all. You have all these <laughs> angels around you.
2: Yeah, they're all like, no, you don't have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Although I really like Metatron Mm. because I liked being, because I'm quite, I play it safe a lot and I don't really like change. And I I have a comfort zone and I'm very happy with it and I don't want to go beyond it. Mm. So Metatron has been helpful for me in really pushing me beyond anything I thought was possible. Like in particular, you know, doing these paintings, getting them out there, making stuff happen in the world. Mm -hmm. That was where I was hesitant
1: do you find that when you go beyond your comfort zone that's when you grow and you make strides
2: oh yeah it's amazing like once i've done it like you know i step on a stage and i give a talk and i'm terrified you know absolutely terrified and i step on there and i do it and then i'm like wow how how could i have not wanted to do this this is so exciting because it's such a buzz mm-hmm. when you go into and you do something that really challenges you and you, you get there and it works and yeah, it's really exciting.
1: Have the angels given you anything like prophecies? Like have they told you this may be happening in the future and be aware of this? Yeah, Maybe- one
2: one time they did. So they took me on a bit of a journey once into, I think it was 2045 I went to. Something like 2045. It was at least 25 years into the future. So it might have been 2055. Um, and there were a lot of children teaching adults, like literally. So, the way we have schoolrooms, <clears throat> there were schoolrooms with adults sitting in the rows and children standing up doing the teaching, which was very interesting. And there was a lot more um, traveling in sort of these bubbles that were in the sky, but they were like small bubbles that were moving around in cities, and they didn't seem to be connected to anything. Um, And I noticed there was a lot more greenery in the cities. I was in a city. They took me to a city in America, actually, somewhere in Texas. Mm. Um, And there was a lot of greenery and a lot of these bubbles. And they showed me that children are teaching now and and adults are getting it. They're understanding that children are the teachers and they're literally letting them teach. Um, It seemed very positive.
1: You know, traditionally, I thought angels were basically messengers, like messengers from God, but it seems yeah. like they yeah. do so much more.
2: Yeah, they help you a lot.
1: Do you have like a basic definition? Like, what are angels? If someone asked you, like, what is an <laughs> angel? What do they actually do?
2: Well, I think that that definition has to be as expansive. As the angels themselves because I don't think you can nail them down and I don't think you can define them and I don't think you can limit them uh, in the same way that you can't limit spirit you know you can't really say well spirit is this and it's not that Uh, I think angels are basically whatever they feel like being in the same way that human beings are all different and are all um, you know we're like beings in human bodies Mm -hmm. and we're here experiencing uh human flesh but we're also simultaneously i feel experiencing being light beings so we're combining the two and i think that angels are like that they're they're like beings but they're capable of taking on form if they want to they're capable of making appearance like dressed in purple or dressed in gold or however they want to appear um so i I think they their consciousness like us but they're more evolved in the sense that they don't really have this need to try and get stuff for themselves (laughs) they've gone beyond that so they're they're very very loving very um they they're more I suppose because they vibrate at the at the frequency of oneness it would not enter their minds the idea of trying to uh, compete or trying to get something at your expense Mm. Mm. so they're they're all about sharing and loving and caring
1: i want to switch gears with you (laughs) if people want to see more of your angels pictures and stuff you mentioned instagram is that the best place to (laughs) see them
2: yeah well i have a website so victoriamaryclarkangels.com
1: okay
2: i think i've put nearly everything there I'm not very good at all this stuff. Like, you know, I'm still learning about that kind of thing, making sure my website's up to date, all these things. Um, but I'm going to get there. I know I am. You know, I think it was more important for me to really delve into the creation and the inspiration. And then the, my next stage is really going to be sharing it.
1: Yeah. With people. I think it's difficult to change your hat, to go from yeah. artist to business person. Exactly.
2: I might find someone to be that for me, to do that part for me. Yeah. If anyone's watching and they want to do
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you also have a YouTube channel. What kind of content yeah. are you yeah. are you posting there?
2: So all of the stuff on my YouTube channel is, uh, it's videos where I will either have a member of the public come and ask a question, or I will let the angels give a message. So there's there's questions that they answer for people. Uh, They're usually quite general though. They're not, they're not like, am I going to get married next week? They're not like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, They're more, you know, how can, how can I have, um, how can I get beyond bereavement or how can I get beyond addiction or how can I have like better health or more money or really, so more generally useful for everybody. The questions, fear, uh, you know, all these kinds of things.
1: And your book, can we get that from your website or do you get that on Amazon?
2: Yeah, you can get that from the website. Yeah, so yeah, you can get some of the stuff from the website. You can definitely get the, the silver pendant
1: mm-hmm. that
2: you've had your eye on. I know. I see you have your eye on it?
1: <laughs> All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
2: So my my really strong conviction that has been road tested by me is that you can actually change your experience by changing how you vibrate and that's I mean it's been very challenging for me and I've worked on it a lot and felt very frustrated but now I'm at the stage where I know that I can you know get in alignment tune into love ask that I be guided and be guided to be as loving as I can and you know for myself and everyone else and and as I do this I notice that people are nice to me everywhere I go Like literally everywhere, you know, everybody from the people in the shops to even policemen are nice to me, like everybody's nice to me all the time. So I feel like I'm getting the validation all the time. So I'm getting feedback and nice things happen to me, you know, like I've had some incredible experiences in the past couple of years. I mean, even during the pandemic, I got to walk the red carpet with Johnny Depp and wear a beautiful gold gown and feel like a princess <laughs> mm-hmm. so i felt like a success you know um, so i think a lot of the things i thought would uh make me happy are a beginning to come now now that i'm open to them
1: do you think that once you just change your frequency and your thinking you know everything can go from being a negative world you live into a complete yeah. positive world just like you're yeah. saying everybody's nice to you
2: yeah i mean i think you have to make sure that you're not trying to interfere with anyone else's journey or their path uh and don't be judging other people for what they're doing you know let them you've got to be acceptance is key uh, and even stuff that you think oh that's really bad you have to accept it because if you're not accepting something if you're resisting something then you're staying below the frequency so the frequency is pure and it's acceptance and it's it's oneness so there's nobody can be left out mm. no matter how bad you think they are they can't be left out because mm. it's like you're left leaving out a person part of yourself
1: right right
2: your like like Jesus said you know um, let he's who is without sin cast the first stone um, and other stuff about you know like forgiveness and I think forgiveness is huge
1: yeah one thing that I thought was interesting is when you take the thought of if we're all the we're all one basically and let's say you play a game and someone else wins well in a way you still won too because if yeah. they win you win.
0: There you go. There mm-hmm. you go.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Although it's still fun
0: to play, isn't
1: it? Right. Yes, that's true.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, well Victoria, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. I'll put your links to your YouTube channel and your website in the description, and I hope you maintain not only maintain the success you have, but even grow it to massive success.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, I feel like I already have in a weird way, <laughs> just because it feels like success is something that's, that's just in the moment, you know? It's not really in the future. It's right now.
1: So are you right saying, now,
2: I'm successful.
1: So are you saying that it can't be more?
2: I'm not saying it can't be more. <laughs> I think there's loads more fun to have, but I feel like there's so much more in the present moment than we ever know yeah. that it's really very precious.
1: It's kind of like you don't even know what you don't know. You
0: don't know what you don't know. So what
1: I'm wishing for you is more <laughs> success that you don't even know you could have.
0: It's yes, even possible. That. I love it. I love that.
2: Thank you,
1: yes. and
2: for you as well. Thank We're you. More success than you thought you could have, and Thank I you. hope you get that criterion.
1: Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Oh, I wanted to ask one last thing and I'm glad I just thought of it. it. And that is, are you open to the public? And what I mean by that is if people want to ask you questions, can they you know, reach out to you on Instagram yeah. or somewhere else?
2: Yeah. So it's easier if they do it through the website because my Instagram, I have a lot of followers now and I, I get a lot of messages every day and I don't have time to read them all. Yeah. So until I get a secretary... I, I think in email email me through the website
1: yeah i was just thinking you need to put one of these angels to work to be as your secretary I know,
2: get me a secretary yeah you're right that'll be the next thing
1: yes all right victoria well thanks again i wish you the best and have a great day over there in ireland
2: thank you and you as well
1: thanks for watching the jeff mara podcast